0: Good evening, everyone in Alberta,
1: Canada, and beyond. It is Wednesday, November 15th, 2023. I'm Carrie Lambert, and I welcome you to an online webinar evening of solutions for a new Alberta brought to you by the Alberta Prosperity Project, also known as APP. APP's purpose is to educate, inspire, and unite all Albertans, businesses, and organizations to protect their prosperity, individual freedoms, rights, and sovereignty by empowering the Alberta government to restructure Alberta's relationship with Canada. Of course, APP is membership driven with a goal of a million-plus members to help steer the political process. APP memberships are one year for $20, two years, for $30, three years for $40, or you can make a donation at albertaprosperityproject.com. And uh, there's a lot of stuff to talk about tonight, too, in in regards to uh, the Cory Morgan Ambassador Tour and uh, a couple of quick links that I want to show. But really, we want to get right into this because we were late. It's snowing in Calgary, and I was out shoveling. So, with that, I'm just going to say, uh, tonight's episode is called Defending Faith, Family and Freedom with Randy Crosson, who is Executive Director of Freedoms Advocate, a charity funding constitutional and human rights cases and a not-for-profit law firm. Of course, we always have APP's interim CEO, Chris Scott, who will be joining us tonight as well. This is a live webinar, so we encourage you to ask questions and make comments throughout this presentation. Just put three question marks before your question, so it'll be flagged and we can quickly view the questions and comments. With that, I'd like to introduce everyone to Randy. Randy provides vision and oversight with the law firm Freedoms Advocate. Together with his wife, Carol, who founded Crosson's Constitutional Law, they've maintained a 93% win rate on nearly 50 constitutional and human rights cases, representing over 8,800 individuals and groups. Sadly, Carol passed away in January of this year. She has left behind a considerable body of work and Randy created Freedom's Advocate to support and Constitutional Law's legacy. Randy was director of uh, Samaritan's Purse Canada for 13 years and his management experience spans in numerous industries over the last 40 years and senior management roles over the last 25. And with that, I will now bring on Randy and Christopher. Good evening, gentlemen.
2: Good evening. Well, how are you? Good evening, gentlemen. And Carrie? Oh,
1: Always, always, always a shyster. So it's even
2: less than casual. <laughs> it's yeah. even less than casual.
1: So, Freedom's Advocate. Um, how do we want to jump into this? Do you want to just tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about uh, how Freedom's
0: Advocate uh, began? Well, Carol started, she went to law school when she was in her early 40s. Um, mm-hmm. We homeschooled our kids, and I'll talk a little bit about that in the presentation, and um, just thought what was going on in schools back then, like 35 mm-hmm. years ago. Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, she went through that. She ran debate clubs for students and won a bunch of awards for Matt and decided it was time to go to law school. Mm-hmm. And so we have a number of friends that are judges and uh, lawyers, and so, you know she just she just decided to do it and she did so for the first probably eight years of it she was uh, managing all of the cases with the clients funding it the challenge with that of course is these cases are horrifically expensive at times because you're taking the government court right yeah yeah. and uh we we're also having to turn down certain cases because you know they were excellent cases but we just there was no money for it mm-hmm. and so we started the charity uh, we tried once prior to that, but uh, CRA didn't like the approach, and so we then redressed it and went back at it and got it got it listed back in twenty and twenty twenty one, and uh, have been finding cases ever since. And so uh, it's it's just needed. Um, the the cases themselves are foundational. Um, every one of these cases that we win set precedent, and
2: mm-hmm. so we've been
0: fortunate to be able to also use our own cases as precedents down the road. Um, the winning piece is enormous so probably about a third of my presentation tonight is going to be talking about winning and the necessity for it and uh that's sort of it. like we we're just really born out of the need to do something about what was going on societally yeah. 30 years ago yeah. and uh just really getting into it full full bore in the past little while so i took over the charity last year and uh the intent was for carol to i was going to take over the ed role for the law firm as well and allow her basically more to slip into a mentorship role. Uh, she was getting toward her 60th birthday, and really wanted to more, more so mentor. And uh, you know, she created a methodology of approaching these things in court that's been highly successful. Mm-hmm. And so we wanted to expand on that.
1: Yeah. So you, so, you, know- do
2: you sorry. Do you, do you recall any anything uh, that sticks out that was going on in society when you first started doing this? That kind of Pushed you over the over the edge to, to to start working on the advocacy part.
0: Um, well, 35 years ago is what we were seeing happening in schools with the sexualization of children. It hmm. uh, was happening back then, uh, you know, more on a sort of individualistic level, depending on the school board of the school division. And, um, you know, the area that we were in was a backcountry place in Saskatchewan, and we were seeing it happen there. So we assumed it was. I think what really moved it forward just was the, uh speech more so than than any of the others uh people that were being stopped from sharing their message and uh that you know ranged from you know groups like pro-life groups um for example um you know regardless of what people think about pro-life they've won some tremendous freedom and freedom of speech speech cases in our country and if you can win for them it's a tremendous win for the country but you know i guess we've been watching these sorts of things for the you know, around that 10 year mark and seeing everything line up politically, uh, what bills were being passed in the house. Uh, there's so much that's happened over the past 15 years, for example, that have set the tone for what we're seeing right now. Mm-hmm. And so for bringing on things like digital currency, all of the stuff that's needed to make that happen is done. And it was done, some of it during the conservative reign, some during you know the liberal reign, but, you know, it's a, a political move and it's something can, that can be highly detrimental to all of us. So, you know, those kinds of things just it made it that much more urgent. And, uh, you know, Carol was 10 times more intelligent than me. So she's the one that went to law school.
2: <laughs> well, wow, that's uh, that's something early 40s and going to law school. Mm-hmm. I'm in my early 40s still. Carrie's not, but I can't even imagine <laughs> well, going to, to a <laughs> degree right now.
1: I'm not going to law school. No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, it's just tremendous. Yeah, uh, she she did some amazing things to her during her life. She had cool. impacted thousands of people. Well, her funeral, the day of her funeral, she had six hundred people attend wow. the funeral. Wow. You know, so it's she had a tremendous impact and created a an enormous body of work that uh, our key counsel right now who I've hired
2: is now going
0: over and she kind of looks her eyes kind of look like a deer in a headlight when she you talk to her right now because she's trying to assimilate a lot all of this stuff. Mm-hmm.
1: So I'm just going to show your, uh, your webpage on here in case people are interested. And uh, cause we're going to, we have a, a presentation and um, somebody was asking, am I really, did I really shovel snow? Is that why I'm late? <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we had some technical problems in terms of uh, trying to upload this, uh, this PowerPoint presentation and about the only way that I can actually get it to play will be that I need to obliterate, obliterate my screen. So Chris is now in control. So I wanna have a little bit of, uh, of control and, uh, and show a few things uh, specifically. We'll have this little ticker going along the bottom. Uh, of course, uh, Michelle showed the, uh, the website freedomsadvocate.ca and, uh, and people can go there and uh, a little bit about who you are, what you do and of course how it works, right? And I'm assuming in the presentation, you're gonna yeah. go through a lot of these. So with that, I'm just gonna hide that because now I have to remove that. Are you okay with going right into the presentation? Does that oh, make sense? Sure.
0: Yeah, it's a lot of information. So, and you know, Carrie, I've set it up for me. So yep. there's a lot of, so I don't know. I mean, I'll maybe just say click or something. That's because there's an they awful- I click because
1: stuff. I actually won't be able to see you. <laughs>
0: there you go, even better. All right. Oh, okay, excellent, well, I'll jump into it. So uh, as you can see, there's a, a charity, freedoms advocate and law firm. Uh, we're in the midst of, uh, Putting that together, it's going to be a not-for-profit, and it'll be called legacy, mm-hmm. and for two reasons, legacy from what Carol has done, all the work that she's done. And we, when we're in the courtroom, we want people to think about the legacy they're leaving the future. Um, mm-hmm. These decisions in the courtroom affect everybody for time eternal, and we want to make sure that that's part of their mindset. We've had judges sit on our cases that were ideologically completely opposed to us, but by the time the end of the hearing, we won, because mm-hmm. we want them focusing not the law on the law and not the issue at hand so let's go to the next screen i was just at a conference in the u.s a legal conference so surrounded by about 800 lawyers and it was you know it's amazing we have it's hard it starts off like this whereas canada's founded on the principle that recognizes the supremacy of god and the rule of law that's amazing there's not a lot of countries that have that uh, and of course the supremacy of god of god part recognizes the fact that we can't live by an individual's ideology which is what we're living with right now uh, it means we need something higher than us that's uh you know that deals with those inalienable rights that all of us feel and sense and know. Yeah. Uh, next one. So you can see our daughters. There's three of them. You can't see the one. Carol's in the middle. Uh, we started homeschooling them back 35 years ago because of what we saw was going on in society. And debate was big, uh, so I stopped winning arguments years ago. Uh, all of our daughters went went to uh, were one provincials. They went to nationals on the debate side. And, uh, you know, they had a great time. Do you want to click on that judge picture there and just drag yeah. it to the right Oh, Or just the judge for it. Yeah, him. Then you can see my other daughter. And of course, that's Carol down there. And, you know, oh, yes. while, yeah. Yeah. while she was working through a homeschooling debate and everything, she recognized the need of what was going on. And she and I talked about it and she decided to go to law school. Uh, she basically, over the past decade, created a methodology and how to do that. Everybody in law school said you can't just practice constitutional law. Well, you can, it's it's hard. You need a charity to do it, but it's possible. Yeah. Uh, the next slide. And as Carrie mentioned, Carol passed away on January 17th, so it's completely un, unprepared for that. Um, it's, it's like losing your arm or your legs or something, you know, a yes. huge part of your body. Uh, Next slide. And so how do we retain a 93% win rate? Um, You know, it's been interesting over the past decade, we've been trying to hire lawyers. Uh, Lawyers are pretty hesitant about getting involved in constitutional work because you end up getting painted with the same brush as your client. So you might be representing, you know, for example, a pro-life group. Well, suddenly you're a pro-life lawyer and uh, you know that's your cause whether you believe it or not right and uh, that's really not the role of a lawyer they're there to represent the client and their beliefs and their issues right and so that was the case up until about october last year and we suddenly got um 10 candidates 10 resumes and uh you know that was going to support our work going into this year and the first lawyer we hired is that lady named kristen nicholson she's a 30-year lawyer spent 20 years in on Bay Street in Toronto, um, she was a partner for ten years in a law firm here in Calgary, one of the top five. Uh, she was a King's Counsel, so it's an honorary thing. Next slide. Um, she was also the chair of the Provincial Court Nominating Committee, which just wrapped up. So uh, that's appointed by the Minister of Justice, and she was the chair. Um, also recommended by the Justices and the Justices of Peace, and the one the Queen Alberta Queen of Jubilee Queen's Jubilee Award. Um, Krista was, went through the pandemic and just saw what was happening societally and with government and just felt like she could not keep doing that. Mm-hmm. And uh, she resigned her place uh, earlier this year and just was going to go out and start working in this. She had actually done a case where Carol supported her on it, one, her first constitutional case, and they won. And that kind of whetted her whistle. And so about a week after she resigned, a mutual friend put us in, uh, in touch, and we brought Chris on in September 1st of this year. Um, we presently have about three of those ten right now that we w- would love to hire, so it basically comes down to dollars. Next slide. Another thing that leans into this is the Alliance Defending Freedom. They're the largest constitutional legal charity in the world, and uh, they're enorm- that's the conference I was at this summer. Uh, 400 staff, 2500 allied, 4700 network, these are the kinds of things they bring to us. We're in constant contact with them around cases and everything else, so case analysis, uh, strategies, client issues that we're dealing with, any training that we're looking at, expert witnesses are enormous. And of course, they're doing hundreds of cases a year. They're right now in a hundred countries around the world doing cases. And uh, you know, huge network that comes with it. Uh, we're looking at building a, a, a Commonwealth group within it. So the office that we report to is in Vienna, Austria. And so all of the Commonwealth countries are linked to that as well. So it's a tremendous asset for us. Next slide. Okay, on the law firm side, this is where we start talking about next slide, um, about the winning issue. So why is it so important? Well, obviously if we win, it's a precedent and it supports everybody, even the people we just beat in court. When we lose, we've just given the government a precedent and a bigger bat. And you know, those losses that have happened over the past few years, and there have been hundreds of them. There have been hundreds of court, uh, constitutional challenges that went to the courts and lost. And uh, those end up being things that the government uses against us in cor- in the courtroom as well. Next slide. So this is sort of the heart of it. And this is my role, basically, in both organizations. It's, we really cannot be about the client or their cause. It's about the charter issue that's before the court. And so we have to remain objective right through to the final This If it makes it to the Supreme Court, we have to try and remove ourselves from that. All of that's very easy to say. It's very difficult to do because you're dealing with people who are probably in the most trauma they've ever been in their life. Their government's gone after them. They've had their bank account closed or something like that, or some you know, local bureaucrat is, is just making their life miserable, trying to shut down their life in, in, in total. So it's very difficult for a lawyer to be around that, to be connected with them and support them and be their closest friend through all of this. Uh, so it's very difficult to remain objective. and come at this from purely a legal perspective and so those are the conversations I have with you know CRISPA and any of the lawyers that we work with as co-counsels is just to keep your eye on the ball not on the cause or the client on what the legal issue is next one so for us uh, just over the past while we've had 22 uh, charter cases we've won 21 of them lost one average cost about forty-five thousand. Uh, had one we won last year, $155,000. Uh, but the cool thing about that is uh, there had never been a decision on the charter uh, with, re- uh, with respect to universities in Manitoba. That decision now all of the universities in Manitoba are subject to the charter. That was a tremendous win, worth it, but tremendously expensive. Next one on the human rights side: 14 of them, uh, one ten, one lost, three are still in hearings. Average cost about ten. Uh, high one was 31,000, about a week after Carol passed away, we won this one, and uh, the lady that we wanted for, Carol had actually been to her wedding. We walked with her for about four years through this hearing, and, uh, you know, it was a difficult call. Tremendously hyped, happy because she won, but very sad about the circumstances, so that was a 90%. Next slide. Uh, and this is where we get into the number of people we connect with. So through the pandemic, we probably talked about 12,000 people. About 8,800, and we did something for uh, letters, uh, consultations, whatever. Um, some of them were large groups. So, for example, there's 3,500 doctors, nurses, and medical professionals that we represented to the government or before the government in Alberta. Uh, like 500 RCMP. You know, those kinds of things were happening. The average cost about 500. Um, the nice thing about these is we actually never went to court. We won because they backed down. They learned something. We educated them, and they backed down. This is a Difficult thing for most law firms to manage, because how do you bill out hours for a $100 case to help somebody, right? Mm -hmm. Um, For us, we're funding it through the charity, so the lawyer can spend any amount of time they want to or need to on those files and make it that much more successful. Next slide. So combined with the 95 on the charter and 90 on the human rights, it's a 93% win rate. Uh, Alliance Defending Freedom, the large charity in the States, they're sitting at about 81% right now, but that oscillates as it will for us. Um, you know, But our primary mandate for everyone in our charity and our firm is to win. Uh, if we can't win, we're not gonna go to court. So today we just turned down two cases. Uh, we were involved in them from uh, the past few days, interviewed the person uh, handing them off to us, uh, the clients. And although those persons have had their charter rights and friends, something's happened, they've done something, uh, that just makes it not possible to win in in the courtroom. So that's pretty cold-hearted to some degree. But our goal is to win. When we win, we support everybody. If we lose, we do the opposite. Next slide. So her me- met methodology, as I mentioned, we have a. I was talking to Kristen Carey before. We have a couple of friends that are uh, judges and justices, and. Um, you know, Carol, when she first got into this, one of the things you recognize very fast is most judges have never sat on these kinds of cases, on charter cases. They do in the states all the time. And you see it whenever legislation's passed and somebody from the third circuit, you know, judge thing closes down the legislation, that sort of stuff. It doesn't happen here that often. So a large part of what she had to do was to educate that judge on what the law was, how it was mm-hmm. infringing, uh, what his options are, or her options are. And, uh, you know, a lot of these cases are to four thousand pages long and to do that in a way that uh, doesn't insult um, one of the other people that spoke into is a former supreme court justice that we got to know and you know those people inputting into the methodology and how you approach it was really important so the heart of winning here is the client as i mentioned i meant you know we're dealing with two of them earlier today and things had gone wrong you couldn't win on that case and clients is pretty tricky too because you know, something's happened. Sometimes they're just ripped right off and they're mad. They want to speak about it. They want to do interviews. They want to do all those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Well, for us, if we're going to take you on as a client, your primary requirement is to shut up. You've now got your day in court. Yeah. Here's, this is what we need to gear everything to, is to win in that court case. And if they're willing to do that, we'll take them on. Cases, the same thing. Um, You know, there's an awful lot of media that happens around these cases. And our objective is to keep the media amount uh the media is as low an ebb as possible. We don't want it influencing the courtroom. You don't want something being quoted by the lawyer or the client in the afternoon on the radio and when the judge is going home and he walks back in the courtroom the next day and he's heard somebody say something negative about the case or him or something like that. So we avoid it. Uh, evidence is huge. Um, we get sent cases um, from lawyers in the across the country that have lost at the lower court and they want us to appeal. And Pretty much without exception, they're missing a huge amount of evidence that's required to actually win. Yes, it's not a criminal case, it's a charter case, but that means the evidence is that much more precious. So we do everything we can to get all of the evidence and even build the evidence if we get on the case early enough. Timing is critical. Is is society ready for it? Um, You know, I I spoke with one law firm, they tried close to 200 um, COVID cases and they lost them all, every one of them. And it's simply because we're not seeing COVID what we know of COVID, um, the truth about it, showing up in legacy media. CBC's is mm-hmm. not talking about it. You know, very few of them actually do. And uh, until you get to the point where they're starting to look at it, and we're all knowing that's going to happen, right? When some of the expert witnesses, the scientific research starts to come to bear, we know then we can start winning in court.
2: Next one. Well, that's a, that's a problem we've seen throughout a lot of these is judges are taking judicial notice of information from experts that isn't accurate, right? Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: Totally. Yeah and denying the ones that really are accurate. And yeah, it's for sure. Timing, as I mentioned with COVID, like we had the Ingram versus Alberta case, and it wasn't a charter win, but it was a win. Like there's a lot of fines that are being canceled because of it, and so that's that's a really good thing, right? But the challenge with that one too is that, you know, the judge in that case decided to actually make a comment about what the, the government had decided to do had it been just the Minister of Health or the, Whatever the health person, they could still have done those things, still taken our rights away. Yeah. Next one. Hear this a lot. Just fighting's enough. We just need to get out there and fight. And that might be true, like when you think of slavery. Gay rights, for example, they all lost until they won. And that was because the laws opposed them. Our challenge is the laws do not oppose us. We win 93% of the time. So taking a loss or risking a loss, risking a loss, is just simply not good judgment. You're building a wall against us down the road. Next one. (laughs) I hear this too, judges and laws, they're all evil, right? And uh, the the challenge we've got is the judges basically have to make a decision on the submissions and the evidence that's provided to them. Um, Yes, we have judges that, you know, on all sides of the spectrum. but you have to remember, you know, pretty much every judge that I know of, they got into that and they decided to you know, accept becoming a judge because they really, really, really want to support the rule of law in our country. And like I said, we've had judges on cases that have, you know, ideologically been on completely the opposite end of the spectrum. But when you presented the case and the law based on the law with the evidence, they decided for us. You know, I've got a good example of a, a judge that I know who had to decide on a case. Uh, if the appellant lost, they were going to lose their kids, but the information that was provided, uh, the direction from the lawyer, the evidence provided, he had no choice but to decide against them. It just broke his heart because otherwise it would be appealed and they'd lose at the higher court, which is even worse, and could increase the, the, the penalty. So it really comes down to the lawyer that has to provide a compelling argument based on the law for their client. And if you don't do that well and you don't know how to do it, you're going to lose. Next slide. So here's the risk you run into. You know, if somebody has a and a, you know, their, their charter rights have been stepped on, they know a lawyer, they contact him. He really wants to help this guy out. It's kind of interesting to get into con- constitutional law, but he's been practicing criminal law or real estate law, those sorts of things, but he, he jumps in, gives it his best shot. The challenge is now he doesn't really know how to do it. You know, the cases I get sent to me are maybe 60 to 150 pages long. Mm. Because submissions we make are 3,500 pages long, 4,500 pages long. There's an awful lot that has to be put into this. Client selections at risk because they don't know what to look for. Is this somebody who you can, you know, you just want to raise money on, or do you want to win? Same thing with the case, you know. And I've seen other groups do that. They could raise a lot of money on it, but they couldn't win. And I've talked to lawyers that have had that issue as well, uh, where they were being forced to take the case on the client, knowing full well, well there's no way you could win, but you could raise money on. it. Evidence, of course, is critical uh, and it has to be the right in, right type of evidence. And they usually don't have somebody to strategize with. You know, if it's somebody from Musum in Saskatchewan, you know, who's gotten involved in this case, he doesn't know who to call or she doesn't know who to call or who can who they can speak with. You know, do you want a wills Willis and estates lawyer or you want a full time constitutional lawyer? Well, obviously you want the constitutional lawyer. Next one. So for us, it's taking, you know, giving lawyers an opportunity to just walk away from the billable hours scenario and focus exclusively on the law. Um, by doing that, it allows us to deal with security issues. Um, I actually live in a forest. <laughs> we uh, started getting threats whenever Carol would win a case, so people were threatening her life. They, we had worked for about seven years and, uh, you know, the RCMP helped us hide our physical location. And then last in 21, they actually, somebody put the effort in to try and find us and then come to our house. So we purchased a place out in the country under a numbered company sort of thing. You know, and so our lawyers, we want to be able to provide a level of security as well. And again, training, as I mentioned, our key lawyer right now is spending probably the next two months going through, you know, 50 cases and thousands and thousands of pages. Client case and evidence, that's critical. And the lawyer has to be the one to to, to pick it. They need to be able to manage it based on winning. Can we win with this client, with this case, with the information we've got? And of course, strategizing with the rest of the lawyers we know and the group down in the space. Yeah, next one. Okay, on the charity side. So our charity, next one, is subject to our law firm. Um, by that I mean, our charity cannot be saying things that the law firm will not agree with. Um, so that means typically we're not in legacy media. We don't do so. You've probably never heard of us. And it's because we simply don't do legacy media. Uh, (laughs) Would it help us financially? Most definitely. You know, when you think of the groups that are out there that are taking some of these uh, high profile cases, they're making a lot of money off of them. We don't. Our goal is to win. And uh, we're one of the only partner firms for Alliance Defending Freedom in Canada. And it's largely because of that. Uh, Our primary mandate is to win. Um, The Cherry manages all of the marketing and the fundraising. It allows the law firm to focus on the client's case, the evidence. And that's critical. It uh, takes their mind away from all of those other issues. We also have national programs. It's a group of volunteers called the Watch, and I'm going to talk about that at the end. Uh, next slide. I think this is where it's going to start to get a bit messy, Terry. Uh, not yet. As well. <coughs> I like this the art of war. Tactics without strategy is annoyed before before defeat. Essentially, just doing something without planning, without your, you know, with trusted advisors ensures a loss. And I've seen this happen. There's about 400 freedom groups, freedom groups across the country, and as I've talked to a lot of them and. It's presented to a lot of them, they're sort of at that point they've been doing a lot, but they really don't know where to go next Mm -hmm. and how to manage the next or what is the next. And so uh, this is a key element for us as well. Next slide. So uh, strategy groups, these strategy groups like parental rights, proletters, medical, financial, uh, political, personal data, all that, they uh, help us to define or find cases and bring issues to the forefront. Most of the time in the legal world, you're in, you're uh, waiting for a client to come to you and then you build a case around that. For us, we want to get there early stage. If we can actually, before they actually do something that's going to get them in trouble and we can be there, we can actually set up the case, set up the client, build the stream of evidence that we're going to need and end up in the courtroom with it and you can win them. So you know this top box there says, these strategy partners assist us to connect with clients early stage. That's critical. Uh, one of the cases this morning, um, we ha- we thought we had early stage. Something happened. They'd gotten a letter from uh, the school board, uh, the threatening letter, and we thought, great, this is perfect. We can wind this up a little bit and, and get it going in the right direction. But then we found out that they had done something else. It was an awful lot more radical, and it pretty much ended their chances of winning. Next slide. This is a good question. Most people look at the legal side of this, you know, well, we'll do everything that we can before we bring the lawyers in. Waiting could taint the evidence, right? It also mm-hmm. removes our ability to get in there and set up the case. And so, you know, we need to be able to build evidence trails, all those sorts of things. And if we can do that from the get go, it makes a tremendous you know, difference uh, in, in the outcomes. Next one. Here's a good example. Um, I mentioned that we did some pro-life cases. There's only about, been about seven, 19 pro-life cases across the the, the country and in, in the provinces. Seven of them are ours. Uh, we worked with some local groups in regions where we knew that they would get denied. All they wanted to do is put up ads, pretty simplistic ads. and uh, so we worked with them. Um, all seven of the regions as we worked through the process, deny, 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 we ended up in court. Hmm. Uh, we won six of them. The seventh one Somebody tried to use, the government tried to use it as a precedent in another hearing, and they, it was denied because it was so poorly written, and it was a bad, a very bad decision. Mm-hmm. The interesting thing about this, excuse me, BC Civil Liberties is they decidedly pro-choice group, but I think on two of our cases here, they intervened on our side, and the reason they did that is they recognized that if the government changed, society changed, our loss could be used against them. And so they helped us on those cases and helped us win. Uh, next slide. So these are the things that we're dealing with the, with the partner groups that we're talking to So on the financial security side. You've got central bank digital currency. If you uh, were watching it a month ago, G20, all the countries decided they were going to get involved in that and they've uh, committed to it, digital IDs as well. Um, Of course, what it does is it provides control from the Bank of Canada. So the truckers rally, Uh, the government had to go to like RBC and have them shut down those accounts and they did for the most part. There was only one bank that didn't. And uh, that's here in Alberta, I think Bow Valley Credit Union. And, uh, you know, for us on this one, what we're wanting to do, so we're actually having a lot of strategy meetings around this right now is how do we challenge this at the legislation level, not once it's out and it's actually done harm so our goal is to try and deal with it before it gets out the door on that digital ids if you could see so during the pandemic you can see that skeleton there with a the little chip in the midst of it well that's what the government was actually looking at mandating here in alberta i mentioned those 3,500 doctors we worked with doctor nurses and pro- professionals and this was going to be mandated uh, that we would actually yeah. have it and it would notify them when you would have your next booster never made it out the door the premier ended up getting toasted And so that's Then, of course, you got the World Economic Forum, World Agile Nations Agreement. Of course, that basically, if you can see behind that, the executive branch is now operating completely independent of the legislative branch, and that's a scary thing. And on the right are all the the areas of the charter that are being breached by all of these. Next slide.
2: Can can I interrupt for a second? Yeah. Are Are you saying that implantable (laughs) microchips were on the table during the pandemic? Hold on till the next slide. Okay. Okay. Wow. <laughs> okay, so this is when re- the one
0: the, we the re- represented those 3,500 doctors, nurses, and so on. And, and if you've got a friend that's got diabetes, you can get a body implant like that. They actually put it under the layer of skin. You can preload it with, I think, three or four injections so that you're injected at the right time throughout the course of the year. That was actually on the table as well. They were talking about these being mandated. And so that's what was getting these. These doctors and nurses so upset. Okay, there's also within the medical side on the there's there's a a move right now to create a Hippocratic oath medical system. So I had always thought that doctors, all of them, had to declare the Hippocratic oath or commitment to it. That stopped years ago in Canada. Yes, it did. It's no longer a requirement, right? So to you know support life. So, there's a group of doctors in Alberta right now trying to get a dual medical system, still operating under the provincial government, but and not in not uh, independent, um, but it that will work exclusively on the Hippocratic Oath side of things. So, never doing uh, abortions or MAID or anything like that. Um, mm-hmm. Then you've got WHO, the global pandemic treaty again, and it's bypassing the legislative branch. Made, uh, I think if you were watching. Uh they were going to be introducing or increasing the bill to include um mental illness. Yes and that just got voted down. Thank goodness. Okay. And of course the charter breaches on the right. Next slide. There we go. Uh that well, I'm just gonna read this first, okay? Okay, so there were sure. 290 bank accounts frozen. And uh I you know, David Lametti, just justice, justice Munner, he said. If you're a member of the pro life movement, and basically a political party you don't like, or activities you don't like, or the speaking against the Liberal Party, who is donating hundreds of thousands of dollars and millions of dollars to this kind of thing, right, another political party, then you yeah. ought to be worried. You know, to make a statement like that, it's just phenomenal. You wanna grab that box, carry it, and just pull it up yeah. out of the way? So on the digital ID front, um, you know, essentially, they're talking about a social credit system, and that's what that could be used for. Well, we already have a, a credit system, right? Whenever you buy a house, they go in and take a look at your credit rating and so on. So that exists, and that exists already. What they're planning on this, from what we're understanding, uh, with the political people we know, is to expand that. So it brings all of your data together. Uh, yeah. Health, personal banking, all that stuff comes into one place. Uh, one of our donors is uh, a man from China. And him and I have talked this through quite a bit, like a whole 15 minute city gets attached to this. And in China, basically, if you do or say something that the government doesn't like, and of course, everybody's listening, your neighbors included, mm-hmm. your phone will glow red. <laughs> and that means you can't buy a bus ticket, an airplane ticket. You can't get a taxi ride anywhere. You're basically walking um, and until you get straightened out. Right. The Emergency mm-hmm. Act, again, all the debanking that went on around that. And that's another thing that has to find its way in court. Um, once this, uh, um, the National Citizens Inquiry is done, then that's going to open the door for some more court challenges. too. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of disregard for the Charter right now, decisions being out there. And it's really all beca- come about because of the pandemic and the government getting sort of, you know, ultimate freedoms to do and make mistakes. And, of course, they've done a lot. And of course, right now, the deterioration of rights to protest. So in Calgary, there's bylaws now that basically they have to agree with what you're saying. And, uh, you know, that's got to find its day in court as well. And then all the charter breaches on the right. Uh, Next slide. (laughs) On the religious freedom side, of course, through the pandemic, churches were being seized, uh, pastors arrested. Uh, We represented uh, Pastor Lynn in Ontario. Uh, You know, and uh, he was just basically a pastor in the downtown cork. Uh, He was preaching on the street on a weekend and got arrested by one of the uh, trans police officers there. And uh, it was an interesting thing. I I learned a lot because. They had about 200 pastors show up at the hearing, the initial hearing for Pastor Lin. All of them, without exception, were new immigrants to Canada. They left their home country to come to Canada. And what they were so upset about was this is exactly what they were fleeing in their home country and it was happening here they were there they in shock some of these people were in tears they couldn't believe it was happening and i, I tend to speak in churches as well and uh, if you flip to the next slide this is a section that um mm-hmm. that we have a real a lot of problems with in the current uh, okay so it says, whatever can be subject to the governing authorities, for there's no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against God and has God has God what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right. That word not underneath it is, but for those who do wrong. So what happens, though, when it says for rulers hold... Terror for those who do right, yeah. not for those who do wrong, and that's exactly what's happening. And so, from a legal perspective, all bets are out. <laughs> the, the contract's null and void. This no longer applies. It's time to mm-hmm. stand up and fight. And it's a real challenge right now to get, um, you know, churches yeah. in that mode. And it's it's uh, I, it's really heartwarming for me. One of the ones I spoke to in uh, New Brunswick a few months back, you know, they were climbing the rafters. They're so hepped up about what was happening and you know how it's opposing everything that's going on from their perspective, and I, I thought that was great. Next mm-hmm. slide. This is a big one. Um, I think all of us have been sitting here watching what's not being said, right? Um, and that's that's what's at issue here. Right now, the government has uh, an authorization way or a, a way of authorizing media outlets mm-hmm. and funding them through CRA. And if you go to their site, you can actually see it. It's at the Canada.GC site, and it's a list. You can actually find a list of qualifying digital news subscribers. And so there's 179 media outlets that are receiving funding from our federal government. And essentially, it's you get the money if you say or don't say what we want you to say or not say, essentially. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so yeah. that that just flies in the face of everything from a freedom perspective. So the issue is not it's not what we're not seeing in the legacy. media. That's the issue. Right. And of course, the non-qualified media outlets are being classified as you know misinformers. Next slide. On the political side, you know, all of these supranational agreements like the WHO, World Economic Forum, they're all in place. I love this. This is a Wall Street Journal that said this. We're losing our soul, our sense of purpose as a society, our identity as a civilization. We in the West are in the grip of an ideology that disowns our genius, denounces our success, disdains merit, elevates victimhood, embraces societal self-loathing, and enforces it all in a web of exclusionary and authoritarian rules, large and small. Ain't that the truth? That's that's exactly what we're seeing. And Wall Street Journal, that was amazing. Next slide. But we can win. Even with all this that's out there, we can win. Our laws still support us. We have to go, go at this in a very intelligent way and strategize with those groups that we can work with and uh, make a difference. Next slide. So the question is, do we need to use violence? And a lot of the people I talk to right now, there's a lot of them that would be in that mode. And of course, you can't do that. Do we need to submit? No, we can't do that either. We're responsible, right? We elect these people. But if that's all we do, if we just walk in there and make our little tick and then walk away, which is sort of the standard practice for most Canadians, then what Plato says is exactly what's going to happen. The price, of good, mid, pay for apathy and public affairs is to be ruled by able men. And that's exactly what we're seeing. And it's because that's, that's what, what we're trying done. to change. Exactly. And, you know, that's the cool thing about 400 groups like this around the country. And they're all striving to do something along these lines. You know, when you think about it from an employer perspective, you hired or elected them. Do you just leave it at that? Well, no. You check them out. You hold them accountable. Yeah. I remember my, my mom and dad were very politically active, active when I was a kid. When something they got somebody in, as soon as something looked a little odd, they phoned phone him. Hmm. Or they'd go into his office. You know, they just, they did not let him back down. Yeah. And that's the piece that we're missing right now. Next slide. So it basically says we don't need to be extreme. We don't need to give up. But we need to come at this in a broad way so from us our perspective is on the personal side talking to friends family your church people places of work keep talking about it everybody that i talk to brings this up they don't know how to do it they're really just concerned and I, my typical thing is just keep trying you'll find the hole because this is a point right now where they just don't want to hear it. you just have to be consistent our donors so the donors that we have are they're people with understanding they understand they're not going to be able to say oh gee yeah they just won this court case I just you know I donate to them because we're not going to show up in the media and I can tell you 100% when we win a case that opposes what's going on in society right now they don't report on it it never makes the media Volunteers so that's
2: the answer to the question I have which is how have, I not, how have <laughs> I not met you yet
0: yeah really because we avoid it we avoid legacy media so you haven't heard of it and up until now we were you know it was working fine we were you know, doing our six, seven hundred thousand dollars a year, winning cases, you know, setting precedents, and that's been great. But you know, Carol and I last realized we need to expand this. There's so many other things. So everything that I'm doing right now is exactly what we planned. And so the volunteer piece, providing accountability, and I'm going to talk about that a little bit here. Uh, protesters and activists. So I, one of the groups that I'm working with is a very large um, activist group. They're right across the country. I think she's got 120 little groups across the country. They can do and say things that I can't do and say. So if we strategize with them, pull in a client perhaps through their contacts, get a case mounted, they can be speaking in the same region that we're posting that case or in the courts on and saying things that we we can't. That's right. And, you know, they love it. Like the lady that manages this, she she said, you know, I've been wishing somebody would do this for, for a decade. She's been out there for 10 years. And, uh, you know, she's taken a lot of personal beatings, you know, from the media and everybody else for her standing up. But, you know, we need to be able to bring the the legal side of this to bear. So for us, it's lawyers being, you know, creating positive precedents, politicians that are willing to prose and enact laws, clients are willing to face the personal turmoil. And this is tremendously difficult. Um, I I don't even know if I can express to you the challenge that this is for individuals Mm -hmm. to be involved in one of these cases. Next slide. So now strategy without tactics is the slowest route to victory. In other words, don't just talk about it, go and do something, right? So there's that two-sidedness to it. We have to be strategizing, but then you have to do something. You can't just sit back. Uh, Next slide. So from our side, um, that's what we're, it's a group we're calling The Watch. And it's basically a group of volunteers that's supported by a constitutional law firm. So we'll provide all the training and educational opportunity we'll develop and support that will be developed by the lawyers in the law firm. I will help them to understand the charter, the precedents. You know, it's interesting, I go out to these freedoms groups and I've probably spoken to about 25 or 30 of them now. And I ask everyone, how many have read the charter? There's only 34 points and it's not that long. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was one a couple weeks ago, 120 people out and maybe 10 of them put their hands up. And these are people that are active. They're out there, they're standing up for all the, the, the right stuff, but they haven't read the charter yet. So, you know, there's a big piece there. And basically, we need to train them on how to hold government accountable, what works. And people like talking about this. So we'll train them on how to do that, how to educate others and bring them along. And of course, we want to hit every every community in the country. Next slide. Now, that's a lot of people, every community in the country. So my previous job, I was with a a very large charity. And we had about, the group that I managed, managed about 30,000 volunteers annually. Some of those volunteers worked four hours a week for us. Some four hours a year, but a lot of diversity within the group. And so basically training them on how to, you know, on a weekly basis, find out what's going on in the town hall, the local Department of Health, uh, you know, whatever whatever piece they're looking at and keep us updated. If there's a breach, let us know. We might be able to connect with that person right off the bat. Um, If we can get in there and secure a client case and evidence before anything else happens, that allows us to take it right down the right path, build the evidence stream that we need and be successful in court next slide so doing this um, you know essentially these volunteers we're going to vet them people that are you know more of an activist it's not going to fit we're looking for firm reasonable people who can handle being bored <laughs> you know watching the legislature or the house on TV is a really boring thing and it mm-hmm. is the same when it's a local city hall meeting and those sorts of things but we need people that are willing to just diligently watch and keep us informed our growth, of course, we want to stage it. we probably got about 100 people right now that want to take part. We haven't started building the content yet. Uh, that's the first part of next year. Uh, so we're, we're moving down this path. And of course, it'll be set up in a team structure. So a local volunteer leader will lead a team. Somebody will be focused on city hall, municipality, uh, public affairs, school boards. And as they are keeping track of them, we'll be keeping track of them, right? Mm-hmm. Keeping watch on them. Next slide. Annual meetings and conferences. This is sort of a two-sided thing. We're starting to look at putting, and we're gonna host our first one in February this coming year. It's gonna be called a Freedom Forum. So we're gonna be giving people an opportunity to speak that are not being allowed to speak. Um, Some of them are fairly well-known people. One of the one that we're gonna be doing in February is a lady that's from the states. She's probably got several million followers, uh, but she can't get a place to speak in Canada, or at least in Vancouver. So we're gonna be working with her to bring her to Alberta. And so at these conferences, there'll be that aspect, the Freedom Forum, to be followed by the, the WATCH conference. And they'll be giving uh, status reports, hear and be heard. Uh, training, because it's the charter, uh, things are constantly shifting and changing. So they need to be updated on what's going on, what these decisions mean, how it affects us, and just encouragement. Uh, you know, it's a place to celebrate wins and learn from your losses. I was, at, as I mentioned, I was at a conference in the States, 800 lawyers, Um, you know, the the opening speaker was Ron DeSantis, and, uh, you know, these are a group of lawyers that are facing darkness all the time, the evil that's going on in our country. And, Mm -hmm. you know, for myself, same thing, you know, Caroline, you're just dealing with this negative stuff all the time. And we came away from that conference, just charged, you know, you feel like, okay, everybody recognizes what we're doing. We've got cohorts We're we're on a team. And it's also a tremendous fundraising channel. And of course, you know, this is not cheap work. So we're trying to, you know, raise as much money as we can to be as effective as we can. Next slide. You know, this is interesting. I mentioned that we sit down with our clients and help them decide whether or not they're gonna get involved. And we we read them the riot act. This is what's gonna happen. You're gonna lose family members, your friends are gonna disown you. Um, everybody's gonna come out against you. And that's what they say. If not me, then who? Yeah. Right. We have a tendency. We just think things are going to get better. So we don't have to worry about it, but they're not. They tend to degrade. The thing is, if you stand, it strengthens you and you feel secure. Even if you're the only one standing, you personally feel secure. If you don't, if you submit, it creates fear in your life and it's insecurity. Even if you're well, think about it. All these people that have submitted to all of the vaccine mandates, there's a level of security, insecurity out there for them. And I like what Bork Peterson says. If we stand and face it, we take part in the adventure of our life. Well, you know, about a decade ago, Carol found this quote, and it's sort of been our, i my daughter, my daughter's just had it engraved in a big chunk of wood in my house here. Flip uh, the slides. This is what the adventure looks like. That is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose faith <coughs> Is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotion, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while bearing greatly, so that mm-hmm. his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, guys, that's, that's you guys, right? You're, you're in there yeah, with your fans.
1: Everybody great- watching as well. And because, yeah. you know, especially after this ambassadors tour that we're doing, we're, we're trying to get people involved and like, that's a, that's a great quote. I'm definitely going to post that. Um, yeah. Because we, so everybody don't just sit back idly. You, you got to get involved because otherwise we're going to be doing exactly the same thing indefinitely.
0: Yep. Who's cold is that? Uh, Sorry, who's Who's cold is that? That's Teddy Roosevelt. Okay. Good old Teddy. Uh, Next slide. So this is the last slide. Basically, what we need is funding. (laughs) Huge. That's an enormous piece for us. Bringing enough funds together to make this effective. Uh, We worked very well over the past decade, uh, doing you know a few cases at a time. You know, getting up to close to fifty. Uh, but it takes a tremendous amount of money to win these cases. Mm -hmm. Volunteers and uh, for anybody that's thinking about that and would like to do it just go on our website the freedoms advocate site and uh, go to the page uh, that says oh did you flip the slide and then go back there to the make a difference tab you go there and just register like you know subscribe with us and you'll start to get information from us on an ongoing basis you'll find out when the 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 watch is going to be formed. All those things, and if you want to volunteer, then you'll find out there. You'll get our newsletter every every week. That's or every month. Uh, go oh. back again, Carrie. Then on the strategy group piece, and you know, making it connect with uh, Carrie and Chris here. This is you know the, this is the kind of thing I need. There's folks that we can lean into. They have a much broader understanding of what the key issues are um, potential cases around the country. Um, they can help us with client selection, case selection, uh, promotional assistance. We avoid legacy media. Yeah. Right. So if we, we can be out there with them. It helps us. Messaging, right? Saying what we can, can't say and doing what we can't do. So basically getting the message out there effectively from multiple sources. Yeah. And that's us.
1: That's awesome. Obviously so much to talk about in that presentation. I'm gonna work and, backwards.
2: And I, that was not what I expected either.
1: No, no. Um, I'm gonna work backwards just a little bit because it, it's you know obviously fresh in our mind. So you have not had any legacy media, or have you done anything with any? I'll call it independent media. Have you done anything
0: with Western, got- Western North? Yeah. North- yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so we had one reporter at Western Standard that we've done some things with. Okay. Uh, we get chased by, like, we're, we're involved in the parental rights case in Saskatchewan. Yeah. So To our pride versus the provincial government. So we're intervening on that case. Yeah. Uh, so we've got CBC, CTV, Global, all of them coming at us to do interviews. The problem we've seen mm-hmm. is that when we, we, the worst one was always CBC. We would do an interview, they would completely take apart what we said.
2: Oh, and, yes. they make it look
0: mm-hmm. like and so, you know, the problem with that is you're, you know, the the, the interview is happening when the, the case is in court. So the judge drives home and he hears what you're being misquoted at saying. Right. And so that plays into, you know, the, the judge is a human being, just like everybody else. And uh, if you offend them or say something that's not true and they're looking at you the next day in the courtroom, it doesn't play very well. So for us, we realized we can't be in the media. If we're going to win these cases we need to be able to get that judge an opportunity to give him an opportunity to look at this just purely from a legal perspective what is the law what are the options for decisions what are the evidence and present it in such a way that he can get on your side and you know give us the decisions now we haven't won all of our decisions at the, the lower courts uh, we've had to go to uh, um, appeal courts as well but an appeal court decision is actually better right it's stronger so um, mm-hmm. You know, but we still won ninety-three percent of them, and our goal is to keep winning.
1: Now, obviously, we were kind of really in on a lot of cases, right? We 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 talk uh, about the Peckford and uh, Bernier case. Uh, we yeah. we talked about uh, Sheila Nett Lewis. We've talked about uh, the pastors. We've talked about Coots. We've talked about the Ingram case. Um, yeah. Is there anything that you have done that has that notoriety, because what what I'm what I'm thinking is that like there's got to be precedents that you guys have done
0: that could help any of these other cases. See, lawyers find those like there are all the places there's you know, can law there's places to find those precedents all over the place. So yeah. lawyers can find them; they're there. Okay, uh, you know, for us the University of Manitoba case, it was a Coptic Christian Egyptian, right? They moved here to escape the Muslim Brotherhood in Egypt. Yeah. And uh, they're Coptic Christians. They moved here. Their son was teaching Sunday school. And in the Sunday school class, he was teaching about pro-life, right? that he opposed abortion. And he's in med school. The university found out about it, and they kicked him out of school. We picked him up, started working with him, cost $155,000, and we won. But we avoided the media. it never made it to the media. Right? And it's a win. It was a tremendous win. And we've got tons of cases like that, um, but we we tend to, we don't really want a judge to be able to look at us and disqualify us because of something that's been misquoted in the media. Mm-hmm. And, you I've know, got a question
2: that kind of goes along with that. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say that what you do requires a strong faith in the judicial system. Um, and and its ability to be used to protect us if, if done right and used correctly. Mm-hmm. Uh, would that be fairly accurate? Yeah. Okay. So we get a lot of questions all the time about instances where the judiciary seems to be failing people. For instance, the men that are in jail in coots right now. Um, you know, what what do you say to people like that as they watch these things occur? They watch these harms occurring around us Uh, with resolution like it's seemingly so far off and yet people are, are suffering how do you what how would how would you encourage them to keep the faith while those things are happening around us
0: well you know chris that's part of the reason we're sort of stepping past our normal mode of operating um because we know we've got to be out there more um we need lawyers that are focused on this exclusively um you know the lawyers that sort of get into these cases and you know some of them do really well you know uh jeff you know jeff roth just they, they won that case it wasn't charter, but they mentioned the charter in it yeah. and that's a tremendous look what happened tremendous yeah. win yeah. um but the mass majority of lawyers out there get involved in these cases and they fail it's just because it's a trip it's, it's the foundational law of the country right and mm-hmm. it takes an awful lot to win one of these cases and so it's it's we we've got to get out there more. Uh, that, one side of
2: it. why why is it so hard for us to stand on the charter that's supposed to protect us? What is the deal there?
0: Well, you know, look at compare us with the states. Constitutional challenges down there happen every Wednesday, you know? I mean it's a non stop. They're very into going to court there. We're not. Yeah. You know, like when you think about the pro life groups, you know, and the pro choice groups. You know, they they've had you know huge amount of battles publicly, but there's only been 17 or 19 cases in Canada. Like that's tremendously low. That so true. a lot of what's happening is here here is people are just not used to it. They're not uh, aware of how to fight them in court, how to take the judge that's sitting before you who who's never sat on a charter case before. You know, the charter for most Canadians for the you know, 20 years ago was just the charter. It existed, it was a nice piece of paper, that was it. It never really showed up in a courtroom anywhere mm-hmm. until recently, and so we're we're sort of at that foundational level, and it really behooves us to spend an awful lot of effort on learning, understanding, being educated on how to do this. You know, Krista, the you know our lead counsel here, you know, she's a 30 year lawyer. She spent 20 years on Bay Street in Toronto. Like she's this person's done an awful lot of heavy duty lifting in the in the, mm-hmm. in the courtroom, and she's really tasked to get this. You know to, to understand the approach how to deal with it what's required those sorts of things but if you do it do it well you can win but it's going to take some work
2: we certainly but, you know I
0: we, we can't expect it to be easy, you know yeah we need to win but we can't expect it to be easy you know we are dealing with the foundational law of our country mm-hmm. and i think what's happening you know what i've seen over the past few months as i've t- traveled around is um just a lot of frustration anger and justly so but the awareness of what is really happening behind the scenes is not there, right? They don't really grasp what politically is happening. Um, and how it can be used against us, what's already happened. Like, you know, if you're, if you're putting all of your hopes in a political strike, you're in trouble because even the conservatives have passed a lot of legislation that could really be used against us here, mm-hmm. unknowingly so, perhaps. You know, I, I had a conversation. so I have had several conversations with Leslie Lewis and she's, uh, you know, what she's seeing every day is just stalking. you know, so we need yeah. to encourage people like that that are in the midst of it. And so, you know, there's not a lot of people that are, you know, ideologically, I guess, on our side, um, but the ones that are, we need to encourage as much as we can.
2: And if we don't do something, who will?
0: Yeah. The opposite. Yeah. The opposing side will,
2: yeah.
0: right. They're not yeah. laying back and taking things lightly. So, You know, So, for example, parental rights in Saskatchewan right now, the group, uh, to our pride, is being sponsored by a uh, a foundation out of Montreal that's really, that has a lot of money. And so they're kind of driving this with a group out of the University of Regina that's really small (laughs) and have never been involved in anything like this before. And suddenly they're the baseball bat that's being used to try and corral the government. So for us, it's really weird for us to actually be in court supporting the government. (laughs) You know, how weird is that? But you know, we need to where when they do the, the right things. Yeah.
2: That is one of the things that I found is a, the the biggest obstacle to standing under the charter or or on the supreme law of the of the country is the cost, right? My my simple matter with my restaurant, and I shouldn't say simple, it wasn't all that simple. For me, it's pretty black and white cut and dry, but anyway, the cost was staggering. Like for me to fight the government and say no, what you did to me was not uh yeah. lawful there's no way that i could do it on my own it took thousands of people coming together and crowdfunding to do it and i'm not the only one there's there's tons of them out there yeah so I was, that that the question i have is um because that's so expensive it's not a question as so much as a statement because that's so expensive and there's no way to fight it on our own as individuals i think what you guys are doing and others uh it's similar to you is so important because it allows people to help others so that they might not have to go through the same things and you guys are a registered cherry so you i'm assuming you issue tax receipts yeah right and and that's uh yeah i i I think there's going to be a we're going to have to do a whole nother follow-up to this because like i said before i was not expecting this yeah i was thinking like this is going to be some law we won these court things like this but what you've said tonight. Had we heard this maybe two or three years ago, things might be a little bit different right now. And I want I want people to understand that, that there is a difference between um, lawyers just doing their job, just like the police were doing their job when they came to arrest me, and lawyers that are specifically fighting for constitutional rights or charter rights. That's yeah. a big difference. And I've been persecuted for standing up for my charter rights uh, and, and fighting in court because of the precedent that you mentioned. Uh, that could be set contrary to our rights and freedoms, right? Exactly. So, yeah, I don't know yeah. if that statement came out how, how I wanted to. I've, I've got so many questions and my mind's kind of a jumble of information right now. You know, yeah.
0: I mean, what you said is exactly right. But, you know, I, I think what we're seeing across our country is an awful lot of really ardent people wanting to do something effective. Um, you know, the the freedoms groups that I connected with, they're all sort of at a, a tipping point. You know, they've they've had a lot of support through COVID and, you know, they've wanted everybody was really upset. Now it's sort of waned a bit. So they're losing people. One group had 1500 people and at one point now they can't get 40 people together yeah. and they haven't made the transition to what's really going on. What's behind the scenes, what drove government to do what they did yeah. because they knew they had the ability to do it Yeah, and they could get away with it because of all that had been gone on in legislation and bills that have been passed in the past. And yeah. so it's. um. You know, we're at a point right now where we really need to be intentional and strategic about what we're doing and working together. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. groups like ours, we can be that much more effective if we've got groups around us supporting us from, you know, the the client, the case, the evidence, helping to build those things, speaking out where we can't speak. You know, that kind of a concerted effort, I think, is going to really make a big difference as well. The battles we've got coming down the road are enormous. You know, this digital currency thing, it's not something they like to do. There are plans to do it. There's yes. now a bill in the in the states. Uh, a legislator down there proposed to stop it, to make it illegal to create a digital currency. Yeah. And uh, you know we don't have those kind of legislators here right now. Yeah. Uh, so we we're going to have to rely somehow. You know, I we one of the people that we talk with is a a fairly high up political strategist. And so we were had a coffee last week, and uh, you know some of the steps we could take at the House of Commons and those sorts of places within committees, they're available to us. We just need to figure out how to do it and how to do it effectively. And is it us that should do it or is it somebody else? Okay. So it's working through some of those details and putting a plan together and something that's going to, you know, span four or five years perhaps, but all of the ducks need to be lined up so we can knock them down at the right yeah. time. Yeah, Yeah. you know,
1: you were, you were talking primarily, we need funding in order to do this because the government can basically print as much money as they want. And Easton, I'm actually going to put a couple of comments up here and uh, questions because uh, we're now an hour and 10 minutes and normally we have already gone into this. So Easton absolutely says, for example, without papers finally had all their charges from the city of Calgary dropped and that was today. But in the process, they crushed the owner's business. We finally won the battle but lost the war. This is the tactic. Of governments on all levels, force them to go to court, then crush them because the government has unlimited taxpayer funds to shro- throw at the problem. And yep. uh, and basically, he says exactly the same thing that court challenges are useless when the government has
0: unlimited tax funds to fight against you. You know, Kerry, the number of times my wife was standing in court alone, yep. and there's four government lawyers or five government lawyers are standing opposite us, You know? Oh, and that's wild. Yeah, shocking. You know, hundreds well, of thousands, and of course, then you get charged costs if you lose, yep. right?
1: And Chris, Chris has had uh, so initially he just had AHS and uh, the RCMP. But the next group after after you you were fighting it again, you know, last year, you had what six different uh, government oh, groups. There was coming? the
2: Attorney General's Office, uh, RCMP representation. There was a couple other in- interveners that I don't remember, but it was there was just a sea of black suits yeah. on the uh, the prosecution side. It was a, yeah. it was. It was somewhat intimidating. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, well,
0: you know, Chris, we, we're intimidated. You go into court these days, and you know, you can, you know, the judges against you, at least you know, ideologically. It It's a kind of a shocking thing.
1: And but, is you
0: know, that they, they do stack the cards against you?
1: Is that normal that the the judges kind of look at you and say, "No, you know what? I'm I'm probably going to rule in in favor of the the government."
0: Is We've that, actually had uh, a judge say that. Really? Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, one of the lawyers that we've worked with over the years is a a really senior lawyer in Calgary, and he's been involved in, uh, you know, discussions around the charter, not so much actual cases, but really respected when it came to to charter law. Mm -hmm. And he was a co-counsel on two of Carol's cases, and she was telling him some of the antics that were happening in the courtroom with some of these judges, and he didn't believe her. And then he went into the first one with her, and he was shocked. He said, I've never in all my years, and he's in his 60s, seen a judge respond or act that way in a courtroom, and it's it's just the it's the topic, it's the ideological stuff that's going on societally. All of it's pushing people, you know, to the extreme. Yeah. But you know, our goal is we need to ratchet it back, present in a firm, reasonable way, and be seen that way in the courtroom. Yeah. And uh, that helps the judge to ratchet back as well, and just look at it from a purely legal perspective as much as possible. And so for us our submissions have to do that as effectively as our speaking in the room does.
2: I had a judge in his uh, his summary of my conviction for contempt of court. I'll hide that for a second. Interject, interject (laughs) evidence into it um, that neither party had mentioned. Even AHS's lawyers are kind of looking like, what the heck is we talking about here? He said things like to uh, do to the irreparable, immeasurable harm that I had done the people of Alberta. And that was not anything ever brought up like and and it was a completely ideological, uh, yeah. ideologically delivered summary of his of his findings and both sides, even even AHS's lawyers couldn't believe it. So I, I'm well aware of that. But that brings up another question. How do we deal with those types of things? And I call it activist judges or judicial activism. Mm-hmm. And the other part is how do we deal with the pesky section one argument?
0: Yeah, 433. Um, yeah, that, yeah. Yeah. You know, I think what we've done because we've not had it used against us in the decision. Well, we had a loss at the, in the federal court, but that they didn't use that. They just decided against us. Um, I, I think it really does come back to being reasonable in the courtroom, um, you know, presenting your case, in a way that's going to be heard or they're willing to hear. Mm
2: -hmm. And that
0: really means you have to know your stuff. If you're you're standing in front of a judge and you're just spitballing it because it's the first case you've done, the likelihood of that getting used is pretty great. They don't want to waste the time. But, you know, it was interesting. Carol was in a Toronto courtroom and the opposing counsel was a really well-respected lawyer in Toronto, highly respected. And he stood up in his opening comments and said, Your Honor, this Ms. Crossan here, this is all she does. She does this right across the country, you know, Dan and Duff. This is all she does. And he was trying to say it in a real derogatory way. But you know, Carol called me after and she said, you know, he was, what a you know, where negative press is actually good. You know, he was basically saying, She knows more than me. Right. <laughs> and we have to be seen that way. We have to be seen as credible. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, for us, I I know a lot of activists, but I'm never gonna be on their website, they won't be on ours. Yeah. Um we will never appear. I'm not gonna to go go to their events. We do not we don't attend pro life rallies. We don't go. Um we have to be not only objective on our side, but we have to be seen as objective. Mm-hmm. We're here representing the charter and uh, you know, trying to bring good, solid precedence forward. Well, it'd certainly be
1: interesting to to talk to you about individual cases and find out where, you know, what do you think of them, and if they if you would have any strategy going forward with what you know. And of course, that's a lot of things. Is that we we think we know certain things, but like here's a good example: is is with the coots uh, Four, we have a publication ban against any anything going out in the media, so. There's only so much that we can even talk about. And and even if we were to go into the courtroom, we can't talk about that after. So the only way you could do it would be talk amongst yourselves, right? You just can't broadcast this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I'm in the same boat We, you know, I get asked about other law firms and cases and stuff, and I really can't comment. I mean, you know, within the legal world, there's, you know, a level of professionalism that doesn't allow for that. Right. So, you know, I really can't comment on somebody else's case. You know, I can sit back there with everybody else and chew my fingernails just like the rest of us, but yeah. yeah.
2: So there's a comment in there saying that I admitted the court system is corrupt. That's not completely accurate. What I've admitted is that the court system is run by human beings and human Mm -hmm. beings are not perfect. We're all subject to our own individual biases and, and that's what we have to deal with. So what Randy is saying is that the way we counter that is we be reasonable and we do a good job in there, so that even uh, activist judges can overcome their own biases because they've been uh, they they've been presented the evidence in such a way that that lets them do that. Mm-hmm. So I'm not exactly. I'm not saying it's corrupt, and and I'm not saying there's no corruption. I'm just saying that wasn't the purpose of my statement.
0: Exactly, that's exactly it. You know, I I think the thing that I've known noticed ever since Carol got into law, and you know, we've we've gotten to know an awful lot of lawyers, a lot of judges. And it's, uh, you know, pretty much without exception. Of course, there's a few in there that are, you know, airheads, just like everybody. You know, there are some. But for the most part, the rule of law is very important to these people, yeah. uh, especially judges. They see it as the, you know, the the cornerstone to our society. If the rule of law fails, then our, our country can fail. And it's true, like there is a huge amount of truth to that. Mm-hmm. And so these people have gotten involved in this passion for their life. and. Um, they want it to be honored, respected, and
2: operate and function properly. Was there other questions up there, Kerry?
1: There, there's actually quite a few. I mean, um, uh, even one from, uh, of course, everybody knows or should know, Dr. Dennis Modry. How does APP keep track of what Freedom's Advocate is doing so that we can help? So, just go to the
0: website. What should we, what should we do? Subscribe. Yeah, just go on the website. Subscribe. If you have a million dollars, donate. See if you do. if you can donate ten bucks a month, do it. <laughs> right. Every little bit helps. And uh yeah, just go there, donate, or get involved. Um so that'll allow you to donate button newsletter.
2: Button.
0: Click yeah. the donate button.
2: Yeah, yeah I want to see what the out. link is because Michelle posted saying. the link.
1: Chris usually says then Carrie, put your credit
0: card information in.
2: Yeah, we'll just try it. See so and make sure it's working.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, so you can under the campaign piece it allows you to designate if you want to or just leave it open for whoever. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we now have our, we've launched our, our web, uh, uh, Facebook site or our Twitter account or our X account. Oh, so those are both on live. And uh, so we're starting to reach out to more people.
1: Okay.
0: Well, that's excellent. Yeah, this I'm... is all for us too, guys. So it's, you know, this is the first time we've done it this way. Yeah. Um, so it's become quite a balancing act trying to figure out what I can and can't say, what you know, those sorts of things. um and i don't want to offend people that's the other side of it right so yeah um you know this is over the next year i'm going to get better at it but yeah
2: it's a steep learning curve eh yeah
0: yeah
2: tremendous you know now that you have the social media stuff you're going to have to hire another full-time uh uh staff
1: person (laughs) just to look after that i know even app we run into that we we actually have a group of volunteers now you know Social media, Facebook, uh, website, uh, events—we, you know, you need that. Well, specifically for what we're doing, but I can definitely see yeah. charity. You need a whole group of people just specific to that. Never mind the yeah, sure. the actual law side.
0: Yeah, we we've got four staff right now. That some are contract, um, part time too. Um, yeah. We need one more to start working on the um, the watch. Yeah. building the content. I already know who the person is that I, I'd like to bring into that role. Yeah. And uh, then just start walking it out across the country. You know, yeah. there's one of the things that I've seen and I do know is it doesn't take a lot of people to make a big difference. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll grow just like everybody else has. And mm-hmm. uh, you just keep putting one foot in front of the other one. Chris, oh, do you want
2: to... I almost asked what part of the country, you're and then I remembered you live in the forest.
1: you guys are in calgary right the boreal forest which is really big so there's no pinpointing at all (laughs)
0: yeah i just got a black bear and a grizzly bear that's roaming through here right now so oh wow i'm hoping they've
2: gone to sleep
1: (laughs) i guess it would be about that time um
2: the reason i asked where you're gonna be at or where you're at is because uh tomorrow carrie and i are going to be
1: oh yes there
2: yeah, that's another one of those things that I can't go to.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, well, Somebody's showing, yeah, you know, Mr. Croson here was in at this thing. So obviously, you know, he's one of those activists. Yeah. So, you know, although we support them tremendously, it's a challenge for us to go. We have to be seen as objective and No, that's somewhat separate. Yeah, that's right. Yeah.
2: Well, I commend you for that because it's, uh, there's a lot of stuff going on that's pretty interesting to go to. It is amazing,
0: yeah. I just watched the one from Jordan Peterson and the group that he's, ARC, I think it's called. That's an interesting one, too.
1: Yes, the yep, the ARC, uh, where he was in the UK. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Wendy says, uh, Freedom Advocates or Freedoms Advocate will grow now that you've been on this show.
0: <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I very much appreciate it. Yeah, and you know, quite I, hope you. I hope so for sure. Yeah, yeah. Know yeah, if there's people that um, you know would like to hear more in other groups, smaller groups, major donors, people like that, let them know. Okay. Um, I'm getting awfully used to asking for money. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, well some you know mind. it has
2: to be done because you're you're not asking for money from the people that you're trying to help, right? So people have to rally yeah. around and yeah. and and do it together. That's just the way it is. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, for sure.
1: Chris, did you want to wrap this up into something that uh, in the APP package that we usually try and do? Because obviously, you know, we went into this. We were overstepped by the charter, which is the federal document, and it gave it gave the federal government certain rights, which is, you know, uh, the right not to travel. Perfect example for um, uh, the, the Brian Peckford case, which was obviously trampled. Right. Because. The, the ruling that my understanding is is, oh, that happened in the past. So, you know, that's in the past. We don't have to worry about it now.
2: Which I'm gonna is. I'm going to use that in traffic court next time I get a speeding ticket. <laughs>
1: that's right, which is absolute garbage. But if we were our own sovereign nation or we were asked, uh, uh, had more rights in terms of Canada, uh, would we be able to have done a lot better through the pandemic through uh you know a, a lot of these uh, the these issues where people lost their businesses people lost their lives
2: right uh yeah sure i can i can wrap that up and randy feel free to jump in anytime. so i get this question a lot uh how would an independent or sovereign alberta benefit us and change things over, that have happened over the last four years mm. and my answer comes with a caution as well Uh, And that is, it doesn't matter uh, whether Alberta is its own independent nation or we're within confederation or whatever. If people fail to do the duty, our civic duty and be engaged and keep watch on politics and what's going on, we will slide into tyranny. That's the way it works. That's the way it's been across the entirety of history. We get comfortable, we stop paying attention, the lunatics take over the asylum, and then we're left to pick up the pieces. In this case, An independent Alberta, Alberta would have a voice and the ability to change things, to make law to our benefit. Right now, um, our voice within Confederation, within Parliament, isn't loud enough to change anything. As a matter of fact, British Columbia, Alberta, Saskatchewan, we could all say the same thing. And Eastern and Central Canada would chart our course forward for us. Because that's the way it is. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't keep going. We shouldn't keep fighting and chipping away and trying to make a difference. But if the cost of not doing anything is sliding into that tyranny where our rights and freedoms can be removed, but on a prime minister's whim, Mm. we must prepare and do something else. We must be ready to chart our own course forward in a manner that our voices are heard. That's the only way democracy can work. And that's the only way we prevent the things that we said not to do, like mm-hmm. become violent or go outside of the law. We want to do things lawfully. And that means we may have to take the reins and, and we do it. So that's how this law portion ties in. Um, and I'm, I'm sorry it's not a silver bullet because becoming an independent nation wouldn't mean that all these problems are fixed. All it would mean is that you have an opportunity to have your voice heard. Mm-hmm. And if we do our civic duty, we have the, we have the opportunity to remain free well into the future and be a beacon of hope to everybody else too. So there is that. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that's all I got.
1: Yeah, that's, that's well said. And, and again, it's, it's just get involved. I mean, it's, it's such a simple statement to say, just get involved, whether it's uh, you know, your local communities, uh, get involved in municipal provincial, even federal CA, uh, constituency association, anything that you can, you know, it's, it's something that the, the uh, I hate to compare us to the United States, but in the United States, almost everybody down there belongs to some sort of political party. They're involved in their community, et cetera, et cetera. Canadians are kind of apathetic that way. We ju- we're just not that. And maybe it's just because there's never really been a need to because, Hey, look, we got a charter of rights that says this is this, and I can go about doing my own stuff. And of course, now we know that that is not the way it's, it's
0: been working.
2: We're very young, we're inexperienced. Yes, we, we haven't yeah. had to stand up and fight for the rights and freedoms that we have. That's they right. were acknowledged by our government. Yeah. We thought that was all fine and dandy. Yeah. Um, and unlike the United States, and certainly unlike Europe, it's, we have never faced tyranny in this country until now but at least we have a template because we watched other countries do it yeah that's very true excellent
1: well with that i'm going to i'm going to say thank you again brandy for for coming on you're muted i don't know if you know that just in just in case but uh again thank you so much for coming on and uh and letting us know about freedom's advocate and we will definitely have another conversation definitely in the future to see where you are at what cases you're working on and uh, and obviously what APP can do to, to help you out as well too. So thank you. And uh, so I'm, I, I'm going to hide you. And I think Chris and I are going to talk for another five or 10 minutes. You're more than welcome to stay on in the background and listen to what, uh, what we have to say. But again, thank you very much, Randy, for everything that you and. Yes. Uh,
2: th- thank you, Randy. And I will uh, make sure that you get my contact info and carries as well. Yes. Cause uh, there's a lot more that I'd, I'd like to speak about. Excellent. Okay, great. Thank you. Thanks.
1: So, with that, I did want to bring up a, a couple of things that uh, obviously APP is doing. So, we we've been out on the ambassador tour for the last was it been now five weeks, something like that. It's been it's been pretty long, anyways. This is our last yeah. weekend, right? And uh, with the last weekend, we got to push and try and get more people out and uh, and and. And get people engaged and let them know what we're doing with the Ambassador Tour. So on Friday, we are in Red Deer at the Baymont Conference Center. And that starts at 6 o'clock. And on Saturday, we're in Bingley Community Hall, which is basically about 15 minutes northeast of uh, Rocky Mountain House. And that's in the afternoon. That's at 1.30. And then on Sunday, we are in Sherwood Park. At the Y Community League Hall, and that's an evening one. That's at five thirty as well. So if you can make it out for that, have Corey Morgan uh, tell us what's going on in terms of his his experience, his history with the independence movement, and and what's been going on. And and he is he's definitely a, a great supporter of the Alberta Prosperity Project. And uh, I don't know if he was uh, a big supporter like maybe a year ago. Uh, I haven't had that conversation with him, but he definitely supports what we're doing, and the, the fact that we're 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 kind of calling out what's going on uh, politically and uh, and socially, and uh, and and having these meetings with with you know a hundred people, and um, that that is worth its weight in gold because I've I've always said you know it'd be great to have five hundred a thousand people out there. But you're getting the cream of the crop coming up to this. They're coming out, listening to what we say. They're buying memberships or they are members already. And they enjoy talking with everybody else around them and spreading the word of being an
2: Alberta Prosperity Project ambassador.
1: So does that make sense to you, Chris?
2: I wasn't listening. I'm just kidding. Yes, that does. (laughs) That's the whole point. As exactly. one of our, uh, our, as one of our dearest and nearest friends, Phil, pointed out, ninety viewers and four point four million Albertans. That's exactly why.
0: Yeah, uh, we right. launched that's... the
2: Ambassadors for Independence tour because yeah. we need everybody out there to do their part and 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 talking to their friends, neighbors, and even their any en- enemies about Alberta independence, Alberta yeah. sovereignty. Yeah, we're not going to do it alone. Uh, it's going to take the power of exponential growth to achieve that. So we want to help you. Be able to have effective conversations with people on these subjects, specifically, yeah. not specifically, but including initiatives that we see coming down the pipeline that we know will increase our prosperity and our sovereignty in this province, like yeah. the Alberta Pension Plan, for instance. That's right. So we and need actually, to be able that... to have these conversations. <laughs> yeah. uh, we need to be able to be effective. So that's that's the point here.
1: That's right. Um, Connie asked, "When are you coming to Northeast Alberta?" Well, so over the last five, six weeks, we've kind of done quadrants, and... Uh, we I were know there. You you guys we were, were up in, in Fort McMurray Fort Mac and uh, and, and uh, uh, I, I think that was it for Northeast. I could be wrong. Uh, but either way, so this is the Ambassador Tour. We're finishing it off. Then we're going to kind of take a break for, for uh, uh, the Christmas holidays, and right back at it in January. And I believe we'll be doing uh, an... Alberta Pension Plan Tour, I believe is what we're going to be calling that. And we're going to have uh, speakers talking about what's what's going on with the Alberta Pension Plan, economists, and uh, and and kind of the ideal ideal way, I, I think, is to get a conversation going, maybe even a debate to say, is it good to have an Alberta Pension Plan or is it bad? Right? And because you it's have good. to... There you go. I know, you it's good, 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 too. good. That's... At the end of conversation. Good, good, good. But the, but it's good to have those conversations as well, because not only that, like we're talking about a whole bunch of different things, uh, mandates that we have for the Alberta prosperity project is to look at, uh, at uh, an employment insurance and to look at taxation, to look at policing, look at all these different things that we can do as a province in order to become like our own country. If we needed to become our own country, what do we need? Well, I guess we need military. We need uh, maybe possibly our own currency. These are the conversations we have to have. And this is one of the reasons why I, I love the Alberta Prosperity Project, because there is a plan. And and with that plan, it's great to talk about these things, whether or not we implement all of them, or it's it's still good to have these conversations, because I'm getting really tired of talking with family and friends about what's going on with Netflix.
2: Yes. Yeah, what the heck is Netflix? <laughs> Uh, to answer the question about when are we going to be in Northeast Alberta, I'll yes. I'll bring up two things here. First off, if you want uh, Alberta Prosperity Project to do something in your neck of the woods, reach out through the contact on the website or through your whatever Alberta Prosperity Project chapter is closest to you, yeah. and organize with them. If yeah. you get the people together, we will come out there and we'll yeah. we'll speak to you guys. Um, you're more we're, we're we're happy to do it. So. If you if that's a question you find yourself asking, when are you going to come up here? Don't just ask the question; make it happen, and we'll we'll come up there. The second thing is, uh, for the next week's webinar, we will be looking for sponsors. So if you or your business wants to sponsor one of our weekly webinars, please get in touch with us through the contact portal on the web page, or you can reach out to Carrie or I directly if you know how. It's very easy to find our contact info. It's literally on the side of a giant truck. Um, And yeah, you you know, we need that. that. We need your support. We need your help to make sure we can continue doing these things. So uh, please, please do that. Both. And
1: and since we're on the topic of what's happening next week, so we do these Wednesday webinars, of course, every Wednesday, unless something happens, then we decide not to do it on a Wednesday and do something else. But that's neither here nor there. But next week's webinar is with James Ragowski, Ragowski, I have to actually figure out how to pronounce that. Who's a researcher, author, and natural health proponent, um, exposing the World Health Organization's hidden agenda behind their proposed pandemic treaty? James ah. says his quote is "Out with the who, and in with the new." So with that, you'll definitely want to tune in and uh, and hear what's happening with him. So,
2: I like, I like it. Hopefully, our know. friend uh, Sean Buckley will watch that one because he's a All very be- avid. Uh, uh, advocate for natural health products.
1: That's right, that is true. I just want to do one last thing here, uh, as we usually try and do, and of course I have way too many th- things to scroll through. The shortcut, bit.ly slash yes. Chris, do you want to talk a little bit about that?
2: Sure, so this is a very, very important initiative. We've realized at the Alberta Prosperity Project that it is unlikely we're going to achieve a sovereign or independent Alberta doing the same things we've done over and over and over again, uh, expecting different results. Um, We failed to elect any independence uh, party candidates in last all elections. And (laughs) what came to mind was the people. It's us. We using our voices are the ones that are going to accomplish this. So in Alberta, we have this thing called a citizens' initiative referendum. Now, what that means is, on any issues that have uh, constitutional uh, uh, that have constitutional issues with them, it requires a twenty percent threshold to force the government to hold a referendum. In this case, that's nearly six hundred thousand people. It's five hundred eighty somewhat thousand people. So, the kicker is, in order to do that. It has to be done within 90 days. Now, there's no way that within 90 days, uh, we're going to gather 600,000 signatures and force the, the referendum. However, we can have you register your intent to vote or intent to to trigger that petition. And once this number reaches the the goal, we present it and we get that referendum on the table. Once we have the contact information, it's as simple as informing Elections Alberta, we get canvas, canvassers sent out there. They already know where you are. We collect the yeah. signatures, force a referendum. Boom, yeah. it's done. Yeah. So this is how we empower our provincial government to negotiate our position with the feds. You don't want a microchip in your hand, tied to an ESG score, tied to your uh, your international pandemic treaty and all that crap. Vote yes. Be prepared. The cost of not doing something today could be everything tomorrow i I don't think we can be more clear about that the things that are coming at the at the federal level are not pretty and if you are a freedom-minded individual and you want to be prosperous that is not a path we want to go down we need to be prepared right now in this province we have a government that is very receptive to the idea of freedom they believe in a strong and free alberta they believe in a prosperous alberta and we need to empower them to do their job and make law for our on our behalf uh, in pushing back against the federal government. This is the way we do it. Yeah. yeah. So please. And we do, we uh, definitely talk,
1: we talk about this at the uh, the ambassador tour. We're definitely going to be talking about this every 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 chance we can get on a soapbox. We will be talking about this and uh, bit.ly uh, or bit.ly slash a, B, vote yes. Uh, if you're at the Alberta Prosperity meetings, we're going to have QR codes on pieces of paper, which I think we all know how to use a QR code, despite the fact that you we totally against them. But they're just a shortcut in order to get to this so you don't, actually don't have to type it into your uh, into your browser. So bit.ly slash A, B, vote yes. And then you've got that sleep, uh, sheet of paper. Give it to your neighbor. Give it to your friend and get them to register as well. So...
2: Yeah, there's 14,000 people on there right now. If everybody went out and told one person tomorrow, there'd be 28,382 tomorrow. Wow, great math. I can do that, I'm a nerd. Okay, I'm Uh, also a tired nerd. There we go, yeah.
1: So with that, thank you again for everybody watching. We Again, we do this every Wednesday and uh, we will definitely see you next Wednesday. And if we don't see you next Wednesday, we're definitely seeing you this weekend in Red Deer, Bingley, or in Sherwood park. So with that, I'm going to say good night. And, uh, again, thank you so much to Randy for, for putting up with us. Uh, that was great. That was a great yes, presentation. Thank you, Randy. It's so, okay. All
2: right. It was awesome. See you there tomorrow. Maybe.
1: All right. <laughs> Have a good night, everybody.